Uh, as you guys know, we've been going through the, the book of James, and we have uh, been in it for a while now, it feels like. Uh, we're slowly trekking through, and you know, it was kind of timely that we were actually going through this because James was encouraging us uh, before all this even happened, before anything uh, we knew was going to come about. Uh, James was encouraging us to count it all joy when we fell into various trials and uh, or fall into various trials. And obviously at this point, uh, we're all in the same trial together. Um, we're all facing pretty much the same thing uh, worldwide, which is pretty crazy. Um, but as you know, a trial isn't something necessarily that is for our bad. It's actually for our good. Uh, James goes on to tell us in verse 3 that... Uh, these various trials will produce this this testing of our faith, which then will produce patience. And then patience will have its perfect work that we may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Um, and at this point, I believe that this trial that we're all going through is, is going to produce this in us if we continue to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's going to test our, our patience. It's going to test our faith. But as we know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work a perfect work in us. And that we would be complete and perfect, lacking nothing. Um, at this point, we are going to realize that with the less food that we have, and the less school that we have, the less uh, interaction that we have, and the less uh, finances that we have, we're going to realize that uh, the one thing that we'll need is Jesus. And then if we come to that conclusion, we'll realize that we truly do lack nothing. Even though it will look like from the outside that we're lacking everything. So that's an encouragement for you and I. Uh, and also during this time, I would encourage you, as James chapter 1, verse 6 says, that we are to ask in faith with no doubting. And one of the things that we're to ask for is in verse 5, which is wisdom. And I think a lot of us need wisdom right now as we're going through this and how to handle this. Um, you want a wisdom that comes from the Lord and nowhere else. Uh, I would encourage you to, as much as you can, not turn to, you know, uh, the news or blogs or YouTube or anything else, uh, I would first and foremost turn to the Word of God and seek God in that wisdom first. And if, it's, if it happens that somebody else and what they say lines up with the Word of God, great. But don't neglect the Word of God for somebody else's opinion. So this morning, uh, let's read. We're going to be in verses 22 through 27. It says in verse 22, But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes and observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless." Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Last time we met, we were in verses 19 through 21, and James was encouraging us to uh, read the Word of God. And as we read the Word of God, he says in verse 19 that every man should be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. And this is going to really flow into our text this morning that you and I are to read the Word of God and allow it to change us from the inside out. 
And as we're reading it, James says, be, be swift to hear, be eager. Do you have a desire and an eagerness for the Word of God? Because it's more than just a storybook. It's more than that. It's powerful, it's living, it's active. James goes on to say in the end of verse 21 that it's something that is able to save our souls. And that's what the Word of God does. It saves our souls and it continues to sanctify us and transform us the more that we read it. Because essentially the Word of God is not just the Word of God, it is God. John chapter 1 tells us that. So we have to read the Word of God, be swift to hear, and slow to speak. So often, you know, we're, we're quick to respond, and the quicker we are to respond, the slower we are to hear. And so it's encouraging for us uh, because we as people, we like to just speak as quickly as we can. And we know when that happens, a lot of what we say uh, is not correct, it's insensitive, and it also overpowers the one who was talking in the first place. And so much more when it comes to God, He's speaking to us, we jump to conclusion before we hear him, hear out the whole thing. So be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And James says slow to wrath because a lot of times what the Word of God is going to do, it's going to call me out on something. It's going to say, Jeffrey, it's not going to say actually Jeffrey, but I'm going to read it like that. It's going to say, Jeffrey, why is your heart this way? Or your heart is this way? And, and if I allow it to truly speak to me, I will realize that the Word of God is going to be offensive because it goes against everything that I am as a natural fleshly man. And it's going to call me out to repentance and it's call me out to repentance that turns to God. So in verse 22, James then tells us that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because as he was saying in verse 21, he's like, okay, be eager to, to listen to the word of God and read the word of God. You know, don't, don't speak too quickly and don't get angry too quickly. So that all has to do with listening to God, be, being a hearer of the word. And as you guys know, if you're listening to this, then you're hearing the word of God. Uh, hopefully you read your Bible so you're, you're hearing the Word of God. You come to church pretty much every Sunday and up until this point, uh, and you've been hearing the Word of God. And just because we hear the Word of God doesn't make us children of God. It doesn't Just because we hear the Word of God doesn't mean that we are, are saved and, and being transformed. There is actually a second part to this. As James says that we're not to just be hearers only, but we're to be doers, right? Like it's in a sense, you don't want to be a, a hypocrite. You don't want to be somebody that, that says, you know, this phrase, probably like your father and mother say often, is uh, do as I say and not as I do, right? Well, mom and dad, if you're telling me to do as you say, but you don't do what you say, why would I follow your example? And so James says, no, you need to do both. So do as I say, but also do as I do. And so as we're reading the word of God, we're hearing it. And as we're listening to somebody preach it and teach it, we're hearing it, but what happens to our hearts as we are hearing it? What happens after we hear it? Do we obey it? A lot of the Bible, all of the Bible, uh, once it is read, it often has to do with uh, what you do with what you just read. Are you obedient? It reminds me of uh, Acts chapter 2, I believe it's in verse 37, when Peter is preaching to the entire crowd. And he, he basically just recites the Old Testament. But within that, there was such a beautiful gospel message that people were cut to the heart, it says in verse 37, I believe. They were cut to the heart and they said, that the, the, the crowd says to Peter and to the disciples, they said, 
uh, brethren, what shall we do to be saved? And that's such a good response because as we're listening to the Word of God, our response every single time, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day that we read, there's always an application and it should be, Lord, what should I do? Right? That's what the, the group said to the disciples in Acts chapter 2. What shall we do to be saved? Now, most of us, we know what we should do to be saved, right? That we call on the name of the Lord, that we are saved by grace through faith, that if we repent and confess that God is our Savior, He is just to save us, right? So we know that, but what continues after that salvation, knowing that salvation is a one-time thing? Well, we continue to ask God, what should I do? And God says, Jeffrey, well, you're, you're full of pride or you're full of bitterness. I need you to lay that down. And so with that, I hear him, I listen to him, but then I need to be obedient to it and I need to put it into action. I can say anything that I want to say, but at one point I have to walk the talk and you do too. So James again says, be a doer of the word uh, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. He's telling us, look, if you're the kid, if you're the guy, if you're the girl that comes in every morning, Sunday, Wednesday, and you hear the word of God, but you don't apply it, you are, you might be deceiving everybody else. You might be deceiving, you know, uh, the entire church, your family, your friends. Uh, you know, you, you might even be deceiving your own self. There is one person that you cannot deceive, and that is God himself because he sees the heart. But that's crazy that you and I can deceive ourselves into thinking, man, I am covered by the grace of God and I am a child of God. And yet here I am calling myself a child of God, yet I'm taking advantage of that grace and I'm continuing to do what I want to do. I'm continuing to uh, follow the world. And as James is going to say at the end of verse 27, the end of the chapter, he says, you know, pure and undefiled religion before God is this, is that you keep oneself unspotted from the world. You know, and that's a challenge for you and I, that are we keeping ourselves unspotted from the world? Or are we continuing to be like the world and there is no purity in us? You know, that's a, that's a challenge and that's a question for all of us. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. I love this. And one of the things I want to point out really quick is that uh, a lot of us might be thinking that James is preaching a type of salvation that comes from only doing good works or only from, uh, you know, being obedient, which has to do with a, a type of work. And that's not really... Uh, what James is getting at, because the whole Bible teaches that salvation comes through faith, and it's not through our works. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and not of works, lest anyone should boast. So our salvation comes through grace, comes by grace through faith. Our salvation does not come by grace through works, okay? It doesn't matter how hard you work at being a good person, even in the midst of this pandemic, just because you are doing good works does not give you grace. We are given faith that is given to us by God to receive this grace which gives us our salvation. It is all a gift. It is nothing that you and I have done. 
at the very least, and if, if even at all, because the faith isn't even our faith to begin with, it is the faith that is given to us by Jesus, because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. If anything, all we have to do is accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and repent of our sin. That's all we have to do, because Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all. And this salvation has to do with a judgment, uh, a receiving salvation from hell and a judgment of our sins. Again, it's not based on what you do, it's based on what Jesus has done. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus is the one who laid down his life. Jesus was the one who uh, redeemed us on the cross. I love that. I love that it's not anything that I could do or have done because honestly, I continue and I will fail. So what will James be talking about when he talks about works? This works isn't unto salvation. It's a type of works that comes from salvation. It's a type of works that comes from the grace that we receive from God. It's faith that works. I have a faith that that chair will keep me up as I sit in it. Now, it's, it's faith, not because I say it, it's faith because I say it, and then I actually go and I sit in the chair. And I believe as I'm sitting in it, and it shows to me and it presents to me that yes, I can hold you up, Jeffrey. And the same thing goes with us, with Christ. James says again, that if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he uh, As we were talking about, I, I find it interesting and, and, and funny and exciting as I was reading this, uh, looking at, you know, James talking about a hero of the word, uh, being like a man who re- looks at his face in the mirror and, and does nothing about it, immediately forgets what kind of man he was, verses 23 and 24. Um, it's funny because I was thinking about it, um, and I'm thinking, who, who does that? Right? Who looks in the mirror and sees, okay, you know, like I'm getting ready for work, I'm getting ready for school, or, you know, let's say even at, at the best, like I'm getting ready to go on a date, I'm ready to go to prom, right? Uh, for instance, prom, I think some of you got to go to prom and some of you are going to miss out this year. I'm sorry about that. You're not missing too much. Um, but you would get as pretty as you can get, right? And men, you would try to get as handsome as you can be. And we would do that by looking in the mirror, right? We look in the mirror, uh, we fix our hair, we, we brush our teeth, we make sure there's nothing in our teeth, uh, you know, we, we pluck hair, we put on makeup, we put in gel and hairspray and, you know, mousse and all these different uh, products and things because what we're trying to do is we're looking in the mirror and we're trying to fix what we think is wrong. Now, we, we obviously live in an age where, you know, we have plastic surgery and we perceive ourselves as something that is uh, not beautiful, but obviously God thinks you are the most beautiful thing. Uh, and he looks at the heart, which is more important than any outwardly appearance. But we are so driven to our outward appearance and James is saying, okay, but there's like, you are like this man who looks at himself and sees something in his teeth and sees that he's got a bed head. And he walks away and he does nothing about it. And I'm reading that and I'm kind of shocked because I'm like, who does that? And I thought about it and I thought, okay, there was actually a day, and I love myself, don't, don't get me wrong as I'm saying this, um, I'm not you know, any better than anyone else in this world, 
But I remember one day I walked out of the house without looking at myself, without thinking. I didn't. I woke up. I didn't look in the mirror, and uh, I went throughout my day. And at one point, I went to the bathroom, and obviously, then I looked in the mirror because I was washing my hands, and I saw something in my teeth, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like nobody told me. And then I thought, well, man, you didn't even look in the mirror this morning, right? And so uh, it's it's funny, it's interesting, um, you know, that this would even uh, be an example here, but it's a great example because James is basically saying, well, how dumb is it that you would actually look in the mirror and not do anything about something that is on your face or in your hair or in your in your teeth? You know, you would do something about it. And he's equating it to the Word of God. You know, how uh, when we read the Word of God, it reveals to you and I our hearts. And that there is something wrong. That there is something in the teeth of our heart, right? Or that there is some some type of bedhead on our heart. You know, there is something that is ugly. There's something that's off. There's something that's gross. And you wouldn't just walk away after reading the Word of God and it challenging you to sanctify yourself and change, you wouldn't just walk away and not do anything, would you? Here's the thing, a lot of us do. A lot of us do, and it's kind of crazy that we would. It says, look, you know, the God's word is a mirror in essence. When we study it, we see ourselves as we ought to see ourselves, right? Without looking at the word of God, we think of, think of ourselves as the most religious and perfect and holy person. We think of ourselves as good people. But then when we actually look in the mirror, we're like, whoa, we actually get uh, a look at ourselves and see, okay, I'm not as as good looking as I thought I was. When we have real faith, I don't just read the Bible, but I respond to it and I change. The word of God, it reveals our very thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 12 tells us that, shows us that we're ugly, we're self-centered. It exposes our pride, our lack of compassion, our bitterness, our anger, our greed, our lust, all these different things, it it, it exposes. And what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Don't be just a hearer only, but be a doer. Don't be the type of person that observes his natural face and just walks away and forgets immediately what he looked like. Don't be the kid that listens to this message or comes to church on Sunday and Wednesday, hears the word of God, and then goes immediately back doing what you were doing. But rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind and repent and turn from your evil and wicked ways. So interesting. He forgets what kind of man. And as James is saying this, it's, it, it makes me think, does he really forget? Does he walk away? And, you know, does he, does he forget five seconds later? No, it's, it's kind of it's like this. Parents, bear with me. Children, bear with me. You guys realize this. Realize this. You've seen it. It's like this, parents. When you tell your children or, or youth, when your parents tell you to clean your room, do you immediately go and do it? No, oftentimes we don't. And your parents will come back an hour later or some other time later and they'll say, uh, well, why haven't you cleaned your room? Right? Because you haven't cleaned your room to this point. And what do you say more often than not? I forgot. Right? I forgot. And as a parent, you're thinking, you didn't forget. You're not that dumb. You didn't forget in this past 15, 30 minutes. You didn't forget. The idea here is that it's not that it's your mind forgetting and that you're dumb. It has to do with a priority. 
Is it a priority? Do you, do you observe it as something that is important to you? And the same thing goes with the Word of God. It's not that you hear the Word of God and then five minutes later you forget what God has said and what God is telling about you. It's rather that it's not a high priority and importance in your life to actually hear the Word of God and then do what the Word of God says. So that's a challenge for you and I. Because the moment that we hear the Word of God and we don't obey it, we become deceivers of ourselves. Deceivers of ourselves. Listen, you can deceive everyone. You can even deceive yourself, but you cannot deceive the Lord. So what is the solution to this problem? What is the solution to this problem? Let's look in verse 25. It says, He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Listen, it's simple. (laughs) Do what it says, right? Nike slogan, just do it. I want to look at four things really quick as we'll come into a close in a minute. Uh, One of the things is, as somebody who does the word of God is somebody who's going to be blessed by God. And I would encourage you with that, that if you want God's blessing in your life, then the one thing, a couple things that you need to do is one, look intently into the word of God. This idea of looking in the ancient Greek language has to do with a penetrating examination so that a person would bend, even bend over to get a better look. Is that how you're looking into the word of God? The second thing is a bless here uh, and doer applies the word not just to his outward behavior, but to his heart. Are you applying it to your heart? Again, your response, what should I do now? So continue looking into the word of God, studying it, continuing, continuing in it, abiding by it, and then doing it, doing it. Verse 26 If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, how many of us are in that category? We think we are religious because of what we do. But James has just explained that real religion is not shown by just hearing the word of God and attending church and listening to teachings and even reading the word of God, but it has to do with doing it. And one of those examples of doing it, James is going to show us, is that we bridle our tongue. And man, as we're going to read into it in a couple chapters later about the tongue, it is something that is hard to bridle. But it has to do... But being able to bridle your tongue starts with your heart, a transformed and changed heart. James says that one's religion is useless. Oftentimes as Christians, and, uh, we, try to, we try to say, you know, well, I, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And James is actually saying that there is a type of religion here, right? We often think as religion, as a, it has a bad connotation to it. But it's actually, there is a good religion, right? The good religion that we see is in verse 27. And it's a type of religion that has a relationship with God. It is not a useless religion as somebody who would just be uh, doing outward appearances for the sake of looking holy and having this type of uh, appearance. And we see that often throughout the Gospels with the Pharisees. And don't be that. 
Don't deceive yourselves. Don't deceive others. Be genuine. Be real because of what's in your heart, not because of what you want other people to see. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Pure, again, has to do with being clean, an ethical purity. Undefiled is being unsoiled, far far removed from every kind of contamination. And to visit, James says, to visit orphans and widows. And not just to visit them, but in their trouble. And how appropriate is this verse in this time that we're living in, that to prove our religion and our uh, relationship with God, that it is pure, that it is undefiled, our response should be to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And to visit has to this idea of to look upon or after, to inspect, to see how someone is, and to look upon to help. It's not just to look at them for the sake of looking at them. It's to go and visit them for the sake of how can I help you in this time of your trouble and need. Matthew chapter 25, verse 36 says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. Again, we see the word visited. I was in prison and you came to me. Luke chapter 7, verse 16 says, Then fear came upon all and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us and God has visited his people. Acts 15, 36, Then after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. There's this idea of checking up on people and helping them in their time of of need. And I want to close with this. At the end of the verse, James says that you are to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Are you staining yourself by trying to follow the world? Are you staining yourself? So many times we try to be like the world and we think it will be better for us and it will do us good and yet this whole time as we're doing doing it, it hurts us. It defiles us. It brings about scars and regrets and guilt. And James reminds us that, look, there is a blessing that comes from obeying God, from knowing God, There is a blessing uh, to keeping oneself unspotted from the world. Look, you might look different. You might be the weird one because, you know, you're abstaining from this or that or you're not partaking of this and that. And yet all of your your so-called friends and all the people that you know within your school or your circle are doing this and doing that and watching this and watching that and listening to this and listening to that. You might feel like an outcast sometimes. But that's okay. That's a good thing. At that point, you know and you're realizing that you are keeping yourself unspotted from the world if you get to that point. Because Jesus was the same way. He was the one that that was an outcast. He was the one that wasn't even welcomed by his own people. And as a Christian, I want to be more like Jesus. So I'm going to feel that way sometimes because I'm not following after the world. I want to be the outcast. I want to be the one that is sanctified and set apart. I want to be the one that is different. 
And not for the sake of, you know, being trendy to be different, but for the sake of being unspotted, for the sake of following Jesus because I love him and because it will keep me from so much harm and so much danger. It will keep me essentially from a spiritual death that it could, that it could lead to.